Welcome to the Gingsberg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsberg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsberg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Hey, good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Stories. Stories around campfires. Stories passed down by fathers and mothers to sons and daughters. Stories. Today we're kicking off a brand new teaching series that will take us through the next seven weeks, entitled "Campfire Stories," in which we will be sharing in the oral tradition of ancient faith the great epic stories of the Old Testament. During the ancient days, during the time of the Old Testament, most people could not read. And those who could read, texts were not widely available. And so people would pass these stories down, these great stories that we know and love from the Old Testament scriptures, stories that Jesus knew. They would pass them down through oral tradition around campfires. And so we're going to have a lot of fun this summer. These messages will be packaged together in this creative teaching series that your team put together, but they'll all be one-hit wonders as we tell some fun stories over the next few weeks. Today, I've entitled this message, Do You Know Who You Are? Turn towards a neighbor or friend, meet someone new, and ask them the question, do you know who you are? Go ahead and just do that. Do you know who you are? (laughs) Do you know who you are? Okay, come on back now. (laughs) Do you know who you are? And although, because we're doing this in the oral tradition, I'm not going to be reading the scripture to you, but it's taken today from 2 Samuel chapters 16 through 19. 2 Samuel chapters 16 through 19. Do you know who you are? And before we jump in and tell the story... Allow me to share a story of personal privilege. I've been asking that question all of my life. Do I know who I am? Nine years ago, almost a decade ago, during this very week, my Facebook memories reminded me, I was appointed at annual conference by Bishop Palmer to a great privilege, one of the greatest privileges of my life, to serve as the United Methodist superintendent over my home area, the region of southeastern Ohio. 170 congregations, around 15,000 United Methodist believers in these churches. I was going home. Just so happened that my colleague at that very time, Dr. Jocelyn Roper, who's here today, She became our district superintendent, and so we served together, and it's great to have my friend here, uh, Dr. Roper, today, and you'll want to greet her perhaps after the service, and she became the Miami Valley. Until, welcome, until term limits took both of us back into the local church, and I came here, of course, to Gingsburg, and it's been just wonderful. 
So what was special for me and why I mentioned that in this message series is because one of those churches of the 170 held a very special place in my heart. It was my home church. I was going back to be the superintendent, not only of the region, but of my home church in Zanesville. And I had preached there many times growing up and through the years, but I remember coming there for the first time as their superintendent and saying, in a sense, I have a problem of identity. Who am I in this congregation? Who am I to you? There are a lot of stories about little Dennis and bigger Dennis, and my parents were still part of that congregation, and they actually still are, and my sister as well. And am I the little boy who would try the teacher's patience in Sunday school and, and tease the girls out of my own insecurities? Or am I the pastor of many years? Am I the teenage acolyte? For those who grew up in a traditional setting, it was the young person who lit the candles on Sunday morning and then sat back in what we called in this traditional space the chancel behind the pulpit and would sneak out during the pastor's sermon to go down and drink a can of soda pop and try to sneak back in without my mom seeing me. Am I that guy or am I their superintendent? And I discover that I'm all those things. And I shared with them, and that's what makes me, me. You know, it's part of the process of life. Now listen, to know a little bit more and more about who you are, not only before God and other people, but especially in your own life. Because once you get a sense of who you are, did you know that you're e more easier to live with? And you're more used to God and to the kingdom. Now this truth is dramatically given to us in a portion of the life of David. By the time we reach 2 Samuel chapter 16, David is at the height of his political power and his world begins to unravel. His son Absalom rebels and starts a palace coup. He is forced to leave the city. It was a pitiful procession. This once great king, now fleeing for his very life with a tiny band of followers to support him along the way. And the text reads, when he reached a place called Bahurium, there was a man standing on the side of the road, a descendant of King Saul by the name of Shimei. Shimei had had a thing against David for years, but could not say it until now because of David's power. But now that David was on the decline, Shimei stood by the roadside and cursed him. He said this, murderer, scoundrel, now God is pouring out on your head all that you deserve. And then he reached down and he began to pick up stones and rocks and sand and he began to fling them on David. It was a humiliating, childish thing to do. But if someone ever does a childish thing to you, how does it make you feel? Humiliated and childish as well. And one of David's servants, one of his loyalists, had a word, we should kill him, O king. After all, he had spoken against the Lord's anointed. And on the surface of the thing, he was right. The law declared that no one should speak against the Lord's anointed. No one should belittle the servant of God. But David said, oh no. If my own son 
My own flesh and blood, Absalom, curses me. Who am I to resent a stranger who curses me? Maybe God has sent him here to curse me. And maybe through it all, God might teach me something and us something and that I might receive a blessing. Well, then we go on into the text and although we're not reading the text, please do so when you get home. You'll see in the next couple chapters this struggle between David and Absalom, this father and son, until we get to chapter 18 when we read about the tragic death of David's son, Absalom. David gets word of his son's death and he loved his son like you fathers love your children. And he wept and he mourned for the loss of his son. And then chapter 19, we see that David once again is back in the power seat. He's back with all the authority. He's back to Jerusalem. And you guessed it, coming to the palace, there's a knock on the door to visit the king. Yes, it was Shimei. This time he's crawling back, he's begging back, he's remorseful, he's sorry. He says, oh king, you've probably forgotten about this, but, but a while back, I said something you, to you near Behurium. You've probably forgotten it. But what do you say we just forget it? Let's forgive and forget and this is a new day, move on. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Now, one of David's servants had a word once again. We should kill him, O king. He had spoken against the Lord's anointed. But David showed how much in control he was. For those who are following this, you can write it down. It's 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 22 and 23. He said this, and don't miss it. He said, no one needs to die today in Israel. For do I not know today that I am king of Israel? Here's my point. Men, when you know that you're king, women, when you know that you're queen, you don't have to kill anyone. It's when you're not sure who you are that you have to demean and demolish other people around you. Do you know who you are? This happens all the time in our society. Person really not sure of who they are. They've got to make a name for themselves. They've got to show people that they're something. They get a little money. Haven't had a lot of money, but they got it now. And so they have to flaunt it. Look what I have. I can have this or I can have that. You don't have this, but, but this is the circle that I'm in, you see. Some people get a little power, get a little authority. Maybe it's at the office or in another place of life. And they have to, they don't know who they are. They have to lord over other people. But when you know who you are, you don't have to put other people down to put yourself up because you know who you are. Do you know who you are? My friends, if there's anyone who should know who they are, it's the people of the Wesleyan tradition called Methodist. Do you know how we got that name Methodist? 
See, Gingersburg over the years have, hasn't really talked much about our heritage, but we should be proud of it. We should know it. There are other wonderful heritages out there, but we know who we are. John and Charles Wesley in their holy club in Oxford, England, they were so methodical. People started making fun of them because of their approach to spiritual disciplines and their rigidness of, of growing in grace and practicing good works in the community. But people began to scorn them. They started to make fun of them. And they called them many things. And one word was Methodist. They're too methodical. Look at those people. But John and Charles Wesley, not having a public relations firm to tell them which logo would best promote their cause when a movement of God began to stir in the people, did what only John and Charles could do. They took the name of scorn, Methodist, and they transformed it into a title of glory. Amen? As if to say, do we not know that we are Methodist? That's who they were. And they rejoiced in it. Thanks be to God. You see, as I grow a little older, getting a little more gray, I've discovered, I've been hanging around the church for a long time, there's only really one measure of spiritual success on a person or in a church. We can paint a lot of things up. We could have the biggest building in Miami County, a lot of seats. We can have our name on the billboard on I-75, and we do. <laughs> but that's not the measure of real spiritual health, amen? We can have the most land of a church. It seems like we're at least one of them. 127 acres here. We can have the best programming. But that's not the true measure of spiritual success. It says a lot about commitment. It says a lot about the past. It says a lot about what God has done for us. But that's not the full measure of spiritual success. We can have a lot of outreach, a lot of good works, and that's the maybe evidence that our faith is alive, but that's not the full measure just of what we do of spiritual success. There's only one true measure, and that is what? The anointing of the Holy Spirit of God upon the individual and the church. And friends, if we don't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God upon this place, then all these other things, these outward signs, are shame and embarrassment to the kingdom. Again, I can tell this is not a Pentecostal gathering. They would be amen and hallelujah on that one. <laughs> we need more than the title of king. We need more than the title of queen. We need more than these outward titles. We need to know in our hearts who we are. Do you know who you are today? David knew who he was. He knew he was king. 
He knew he was king not only in the good times, but he knew he was king even in the bad times. He knew even when he was fleeing from the wrath of his son, Absalom. His very son, his flesh and blood, he knew he was still king. He knew he was king when Shimei was throwing dirt in his face. He knew who he was because he could look back in the memory banks as a little boy, a son of Jesse, outside of Bethlehem, when a prophet named Samuel came to town and how he knelt down and this elderly prophet laid his hands upon David. Friends, that was the ordination of God. That was the anointing of God and he knew it. He was a man after God's own heart. He knew he was king. Do you know who you are? You know, we live in a time where people like to label everybody. This person's so-and-so. This person's this label, that label. We live in a time where people want to label ourselves. We want to go around putting all these labels on ourselves. How would we define ourselves? I think it simply comes back for me, son. Maybe for you, daughter of God, child of God. I know that I'm a sinner, meaning that I've missed the mark. If I'm okay, you're okay, then why the cross? As I gaze on the holiness of God, I realize my imperfection that I miss the mark. That's what sin literally means. I just miss God's perfect will. The Bible says in Romans chapter three, verse 10, there's none not righteous, no, not one. And the wages of sin is spiritual death. And I realize my imperfection. I said on Easter, there's a lot of good people in this room, but even our little things separate us from the holiness Have you ever told a lie before? Remember I said this on Easter, raise your hand if you ever told a lie. Come on now, be honest. Okay, that's about 80% of you. Actually, it looked about 70%. The rest of you, you just lied right there. So, (laughs) or you're sleeping and go back a couple weeks ago I talked about the boy named Eutychus who fell asleep in church. What happened to him? That'll get you to know your Bible, Acts chapter 20. Where was I? I have no idea. (laughs) The good news is it doesn't end there. I'm a sinner, meaning I miss the mark. I'm saved by grace. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Amen? (laughs) Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That leads me to this wonderful, beautiful promise in John 1. For as many as receive Jesus, to them Jesus gave the rights to become the children of God for those who believe in his name. John chapter one, verse 12. Who am I? I'm a child, a child of the king. I'm royalty (laughs) because of what Jesus has done. Do you know who you are? We live in an age where a lot of people want to not bear the name Christian, Christ one. They talk about all the negatives that are done with that name today. But as Martin Luther, that great reformer, reminds us, the word Christian just literally means little Christ. 
or one who's part of the family of Christ. Let me close with this. Today's Father's Day. I'm grateful for all the fathers in the room. I'm grateful for my father. My father was a little older than some of the other fathers of my peers when I was born. He was 37 years old. Today, he's 91 years old, and he has walked with me all my life. He was my best man at my wedding. And I, and thank you for all your prayers. Some of you, because we're a church family here, you, you know a little bit about our family, and you've been praying for my parents who've had a pretty difficult few weeks with health. But I'll never forget my father saying to me over and over growing up, remember you're a Miller. Remember you're a Miller. My last name is Miller. I remember when I was 16 years old, I got my driver's license, Jocelyn, for the first time I went out. My dad trusted me enough to take the car. And so he said, now have a good time with your friends. He said, be back by curfew and remember you're a Miller. I didn't really know what he was saying, but I said, sure, dad, sure. And then around that time, I went out on my first car date with a young lady. I was so excited. I don't, she was full of grace and mercy to want to go out with me, but she went out with me. And, and so, you know, my dad said, hey, have a good time. Remember the curfew? And then he said, remember you're a Miller. Remember you're a Miller. By the time I got to my senior prom, he said, have a good time. And then he was getting ready to say it. And I said, I know, I know, I know what you're going to say. I know who I am. <laughs> now, over the years, as I now been reflecting upon my upbringing, I realized I wasn't the perfect child. I tried my parents' patience on many occasions and harassed my sisters too much. And they've forgiven me since then. But I also realized, now listen, parents, one of the key reasons in my own life, why I didn't get wrapped up in some of the social ills of that time as some of my friends did. You know why? Wasn't a perfect child again. It was because I was a Miller. <laughs> my dad had instilled within me a sense of who I was. I was a Christ one. And he had poured his life into mine. I didn't want to let him down <laughs> because I knew who I was. Today, we bear the name of Jesus and our name. No greater honor is that then, right? To live and to love and to serve as God would. And so during these campfire stories, we're going to be doing them different every week. As you said, I'm just sharing through the oil tradition standing here. I hope some of this has made sense to you. But we're always going to try to end with a moral point. And here it is today. If you, someone says, what did pastor talk about today? Here it is. One time in history, there was a great king. He wasn't a perfect king. If you know a little bit about David, he had failed many times and would fail again. But one day he was put to the test. And on this day, he said, no one needs to die in Israel today, for I know who I am. It's an amazing thing, church, to know who you are enough that you don't have to put other people down, to lift yourself up, 
you can just rejoice in who you are. You can tell it on the mountain. This is my story. This is my song. This is who I am as a person filled with the love of God in Christ Jesus. May it be so. May it be so in Montgomery County. May it be so in Miami County. Amen? May it be so in Jesus' name. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.